Cannabis Cafe in the U.S. opens in Los Angeles. It seems like West Hollywood created eight cannabis consumption licenses and more than 300 applicants applied to see if they could get it. And Lowell Farms was granted the first ones. The restaurant says that makes it the first business in the United States to be fully granted or to be granted a fully legal cannabis consumption license, which means that you can consume cannabis on the premises. And, you know, our guest today is an advocate for the legalization of cannabis and works with local activists and 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 also innovates edible cuisine infused with cannabis. She's also the editor of Cannabis MD.com and was recently named one of the top 10 cannabis chefs in the country. She's also runs a company that's called Elevation VIP Cooperative, which is a catering service that specializes in infused cannabis products. And uh, just an amazing guest, and I'm so excited to be here today. Please welcome Chef Andrea drummer. Thank you, Chef, for being here. Thank you for having me. Holy moly, what a big resume. I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, I sound amazing. You are amazing. I mean, <laughs> let's back up here for a second and make sure I make sure everybody understands. We're sitting in, and if you're going to take a look around, this is a beautiful restaurant called the Lowell Cafe. And, you know, other than the fact that I can smell a little bit of the rubber from last night, you know. <laughs> it's you just, really? Yeah, this okay. no no different. Well, you know, I have a discerning well, nose, exactly. but but you know, this is no different than any really, really, I, I'm telling you, top five five star restaurants in Beverly Hills. This yeah. is such a beautiful environment, but it's in a Thank beautiful you. environment that you're allowed to consume cannabis on the premises while you Correct. eat. Correct. That's true. Was this your idea? It was a a number. It was a group of us that came together and. Kind of came up with the idea. I think because I was doing it initially in private spaces, mm-hmm. um, then Lowell thought it made sense to partner with me. That's amazing. And you know, now you let. I want to start from the beginning. First off, you are a chef by background. I mean, this is absolutely you studied, but you weren't always involved in the cannabis industry. Not at all. Talk a little <laughs> bit about that history. Talk about that history. As a matter of fact, in your younger years, you were. Pretty much against cannabis, I right? I was completely against cannabis. So mm-hmm. my first career was in nonprofit arena, mm-hmm. um, and I worked with um, at youth programs at for, with quote unquote at risk youth. I say quote unquote because we're all at risk at some right, point in our right, lives. Absolutely. Um, so I, I was an advocate completely against the use of cannabis, um, and was part of the propaganda of just say no and cannabis being the gateway drug. And advocated for that for many years, so being coming from there to here is a complete turnaround. And that's a big journey, but yeah. something. And, and I think it's kind of maybe what happens to almost everyone who transitions when it comes to their thoughts about cannabis. Mm-hmm. You had a personal reason why, correct? Well, yeah, it was a medicinal initially. Mm-hmm. It was a gradual change for me, a mm-hmm. gradual shift. Um, in perception, moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, mm-hmm. and being able to really see for myself that the plant wasn't as harmful. It didn't look like it looked on the East Coast. Right. <laughs> it looks like an actual plant. But you went through some, some medical issues of your right. own, right? So the medical issue was sciatica. Mm-hmm. Um, so had that had about with that and was working in corporate more or less and came to understand in a state where we have legalization I would still, I could still lose my livelihood and right. my job if I consumed cannabis as a medical, 
for medical reasons, mm -hmm. which didn't make sense because at, at the time, cannabis was strictly medicinal right. in, Cal in California. So, yeah, it, was, it just didn't add up to me. Um, and so I think that with that, for that reason and for other reasons, that's where the advocacy came in for me. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I look back. Let's talk a little bit. You were in the corporate world as a chef, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. So you worked for multiple, you know, Fortune 500 type companies going in and doing what? You... I started at work at the Ritz-Carlton mm -hmm. and helped open that property downtown Los Angeles. Um, worked at, for the, like, the executive lounge and did the work for the, the club lounge, which is kind of like the high-tiered sure. levels of, of the, the hotel there. Um, also worked for the Patina Group, food group. Did some work with Neil Frazier who coincidentally was way ahead of his time. He had a restaurant that did hemp pairings mm -hmm. back in 05, I believe, uh, but now runs Red Bird in downtown Los Angeles. So did, did quite a bit of work. So you started working with infusing cannabis into foods? In 2012. In 2012. Yes. And, I mean, when you first started doing that, I'm sure that, you know, it was a hit or miss, you know. <laughs> I, could, I mean, let me just back up and tell you that I, I uh, was fancying myself a little, you know, novice, not necessarily a chef, but, you know, back in 2001, 2, 3, and 4, back way long before it was Vogue, you know, for people to uh, consume cannabis, I was literally making poppy seed muffins that, you know, I doubt for 100% disclosure. <laughs> I got myself in trouble a few times because, you know, I was literally, you know, I'm not a, not a chef, but I fancy myself a fairly decent cook. But, you know, I was literally making my own ganja butter yeah. and, and infusing, you know, I'll tell you a very funny story. I used to, I'm a, I've been for 20 years, long before, again, it was Vogue, I've been a Keef consumer mm -hmm. rather than a flour consumer. Right. So back in 2001, 2002, I was taking like full two, three ounces of Keith, putting it into a pan, putting it on oh, low, wow, that's and then taking butter, putting butter, or I was even using vegetable glycerin, vegetable glycerin in a pan, and I would simmer this for like three days, and I'd make sure I simmer it so that it wouldn't even, wouldn't bubble. I'd be, I'd walk by, I'd have to put my, I'm telling you, I funked out my entire floor of my apartment <laughs> complex. People were, you, you could smell it four blocks away. Yeah. But, you know, I made a really, really, really rich, I don't know what I want to call it, just a, 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 and I used that as the butter and put it in poppy seed muffins. So I was taking these, this, I don't know, amalgamation, slapping in the muffins and making the little teeny muffins, right? And I put them in a bag. And I remember, you know, I mean, for me, I've been since since my diagnosis with with MS, I've been a cannabis consumer, mm -hmm. so I had a fairly high tolerance. Not recognizing that majority of human beings couldn't tolerate what I could tolerate, right. so I could I'd eat maybe two of these muffins in a day, but you know, I'd have somebody show up at my house, and before I I could could stop them, they'd be in the kitchen and they'd grab a muffin, pop a hole in their mouth, and I'd be like, oh, good night, sweet yeah. prince. You know, I'll, I'll see, you, see you tomorrow. <laughs> or in a few days. Yeah, right? a few days. No kidding. I mean, literally. So when you first started, was it hit and miss? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, coming from, because it wasn't a very long stretch between graduating Le Cordon Bleu, which is mm -hmm. the land of 
French cuisine, i.e. Mm. butter. Mm. So when I made my first butter, I was like, oh, butter tastes good. Let's just put more in there. <laughs> like, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's I did that too. Let's put a little bit more in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, I got in trouble a bit. But the mm. the good thing was that I the flour that I was using was high in C B D. Got it. So there was a, a better balance, mm-hmm. all the same. Yes. I remember now like, that was another thing for me. Like back in 2002, two, three, you know, I started searching out mm-hmm. higher CBD strains. But again, you know, when you were talking about Keefe, and I would, I would take the higher CBD Keefe and go, mm-hmm, I better put a little bit more of this THC stuff in there. Just, man, look, no measuring spoon. <laughs> just, yeah, just dump a little bit more in there. You know, come up with this nice, good little, little, I don't know what I, 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 I never really had a name for it. It wasn't. Because after it was done, it really wasn't butter. It was kind of like a sludge. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, and I literally, instead of straining it out, I was taking that sludge and putting that into poppy seed muffins. And you can just recognize how wow. how, how heavy a hit that was. That's, right? a, that's a brand. You need to bring that back. <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I will. I'll the come sludge. by. I'll, I'll show you how I did it here. Yeah, that's cool. So, that. Eh, you you move forward. You started first with really what I guess was Evolution, Evolution, sorry, Elevation VIP, right? Correct. That was your catering service. It was more or less a catering service. Um, very, uh, if you will, exclusive. So the mm-hmm. idea was always to bring it to a broader audience. Um, but I did private events and um, also EP'd a, a series with um, Spotify mm-hmm. and serviced the likes of Wiz Khalifa and Wale and mm-hmm. Ty Dolla Signs at these dinner series mm-hmm. called Breaking Bread. Sure. And so they would consume like a four or five course meal infused, mm-hmm. but go on to smoke their own product. Right. If, if they could, right. Oh, they could. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very funny. Wiz, Wiz uh, did a... Uh, a video saying that if there was one person in the world he wanted to smoke with was me. I was like, yeah, come on, man, let's do it. <laughs> Whatever you're ready, for sure. Um, yeah, and so that series played well. I remember, I think I caught one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. And so then talk a little bit more about the evolution. So you started with those, that, and then that. I'm sure that the name then took off here in California, right? Elevation? Yeah, Elevation. Not quite. Really? Um, no. Um, I think my name was was out there. Um, so in came Lowell because what was happening was that a guest would come and bring their own product. Right. And sometimes it was often very crude. Gotcha. So I wanted to offer something that was along the lines of, um, you know, added services to my brand. Mm-hmm. And I met up with Lowell and they were happy to sponsor the dinners. Um, so they would bring in their product and. The guests loved it. And let's talk about the dinner. When you say sponsor a dinner, it was kind of a tutorial dinner, right? I mean, where you you literally would walk a person through each course, explaining why you infuse the way you infuse. Oh, absolutely. So mm-hmm. it was pairings. Mm-hmm. So here we do the pairings separate from each other. Right. But the pairings were directly infused into the food. And so I would, you know, announce the strain, the particular strain that I was using, whether it was California Blue Dream or OG Kush or Mm -hmm. uh, Lemon Haze, and why I paired it with that specific cuisine. Gotcha. Um, And then each was mapped out, like, this is 5 milligrams, this is 15 milligrams, this is... And sometimes I would infuse on site because their tolerance was very high. <laughs> sure. I mean, did, did you notice, do you notice, and let's, let's talk a little bit about infusing in, in prepared products. Do you, 
like to infuse and then put it in the oven and go ahead and cook it out, or do you infuse after you cook the the food itself? I infuse after yeah. I cook the food. I, you know, I, I wish <laughs> I say I, I hate to say it, but it's it's for. Ten years I've been saying this. I do not get why we have these television programs where you see people putting ingredients in and sticking something in the oven. You've just burned off. First off, half the terpenes are gone. Exactly. And then you've adulterated what's left of the fats and lipids. So why not infuse after? It's a better way to infuse. And it's probably a better way to consume, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Your body, of course, metabolizes food different or THC differently mm-hmm. by way of eating versus smoking. And by way of heating it up exactly. also. The For hotter sure. it gets, the, you know, the, you're losing some of the efficacy as it, you heat it up. Exactly. And at the same time, you're changing that taste profile also because it's you're burning off, the, burning off the terpenes. Completely, right. completely changing the, the profile, of the, the flavor profile. Of Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. What's your favorite? If you, what's the what's your favorite food to infuse? Oh wow! If you had to That's pick something, if you were going to make a meal for yourself right now, if we were going to have something. It's early. It's morning. Early morning right now. So we got it's real early in the morning right this second. So if you were going to going to consume something or prepare something for me, understanding that again, you know, I have a pretty high tolerance. I mean, my tolerance is kind of almost through the roof. Um, I've been consuming, you know, on a daily basis for over 20 years. So, uh, and again, long before it was Vogue, I was, you know, eating. I was actually taking that same sludge and using it as people would use pesto. I would use that sludge wow. over the top of a piece of salmon or over the top of a piece of fish. Well, I don't know and, what I would prepare for you in that case. <laughs> like, some I, green I, eggs and ham. Uh, yeah, well, green eggs and ham sound good. That sounds pretty good. I, I, I kind of like, I, I think, I, and maybe it's just because, you know, back in the back of my mind, I feel as if a fish product or seafood products are, are healthier. But for some reason, I like cannabis in seafood I can or say that. on seafood, yeah, I mean, especially yeah. on fish. Yeah, I, because a lot of the um, flavor profiles have a lot of, uh, like, citrus notes. Mm-hmm. So that makes complete sense. Yeah, especially when you write citrus notes because I'll maybe chop up some mango or chop up something else, another piece of fruit, saute that, then I'll put my sludge in that and put that on top of a piece of fish. <laughs> Let me tell you, boy, it's like, hello. <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting. Add some herbs to your sludge, mm-hmm. some fresh herbs and I, lemon. I, really? Yeah, you know, I got to start thinking about that yeah, as I do that. So, and when the idea and your approach about going ahead and partnering here at Low Cafe, and the licenses were being distributed, again, can you, if you choose to, infuse in the food here at the same time that you allow consumption on location? Currently, we cannot. Okay. Um, the laws haven't 
aligned right, as of okay. yet. Um, we're still lobbying, mm -hmm. um, still having those conversations, and hopefully that will that will change okay. sooner than later. But the way it is now, explain how it works now. So I can come in and order a three, four course meal here, and you have, I really love the term, what's the term that you call them? You have almost like a sommelier yes. come to the table, right? Yes, yeah, our, our flower hosts. Flower hosts. But they okay. are very adept to explaining the strains, and they even will take the lead in, in offer pairings as well. Mm -hmm. um, a, a very knowledgeable ladies and gentlemen and they will offer pairings and by way of a joint or pre-roll uh, pre so you can you can buy flour or okay. pre-rolls um we also have pre-packaged edibles um teas coffees okay. um other drinks mm -hmm. that we have so uh, pressed juices mm -hmm. so yeah you could come and order food off the menu and then order flour off the other menu so and two different menus sit here and consume it at the, at the same time Absolutely. I got to come in here one night when You'd the place is packed. Yeah. I have to. I have to. <laughs> give it about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's very funny. I, I uh, My wife is not a consumer. Oh, really? At all. Never has in her whole life. Oh, and, wow. Uh, you know, and, and I should say, yeah, no, never has in her life. And and her, her job also requires that she can't. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I'd probably have to come and do this this visit by myself because she, she she can't even she she's somebody lights up she's out of the room and not because of the fear for her job or having and consume, consume something it's just that she's not you know very very sensitive to the smell wow. yeah very very sensitive well i'm sure friends will be lining up to come and hang out with you here oh absolutely <laughs> you know, make up put some invites out let's let's talk a little bit about you know just when you look at the way this has evolved and you know Five years ago, you would have never thought this would exist, even here in California. As much as, you know, I know that, uh, you know, we've been moving forward quickly and all across the country. Right now, what, have 33 states in the District of Columbia that have some form of cannabis law. But the idea that a community would even allow this to exist in their community. Right. Well, I'm grateful for West Hollywood. We all are. Mm -hmm. um, I think there was there's two parts of it you don't realize that someone would be as progressive mm -hmm. like the city of West Hollywood and also like my partners. But in that I was doing it, I was, my consideration was that it only makes sense that mm -hmm. at some point this comes forward to a, a broader audience. Sure. And it's so grateful to the city of West Hollywood for being the first. I, I, I will tell you, I, I can, it, it reminds me, and I think the analogy is, is appropriate, it reminds me of a trip to Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. You know, and I used to, I mean, I, I, I mean, tell you, back and again, go back 19 years ago right. when I was, I started consuming, you know, they, literally I, my, I took a journey to what was then Cannabis Mecca, which is, you know, Amsterdam. And, you know, you could roll in Amsterdam and again, go into the cafes that were there. And a lot of people don't understand that those cafes did, didn't serve food back then. Oh. And some of them weren't, or were only allowed to serve soft drinks and water. It took them from about 2006, seven when you started having a combination of them being able to serve alcoholic beverages and beverages and, and cannabis. But, you know, the chances of you buying something to eat there at that facility was pretty slim to none. You had to literally, you could buy your product, consume it there, walk down to halfway down the block, sit at a restaurant, eat, and they would frown upon you consuming cannabis 
there. You go right back up to the coffee shop. Oh, wow. Consume again and go back. Yeah, you really couldn't couldn't smoke and eat at the same place. Yeah, I think we have to change that narrative. I think we have to look at it in, in the a can and in a can way as we do alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, no, you wouldn't dare to. I mean, of course, you have a liquor store, but even there, you can buy snacks. Sure, <laughs> right, know? right, right, absolutely. And I think you know, that's that goes to the question of where do you think this is headed? I mean, do you think that is the city talking about giving you the opportunity to number one infuse in food? And so you make the whole experience a little bit more homogeneous, homogeneous, right? Yeah, I think we have to talk about it. You know, we have to continue to advocate for ourselves, right? And um, the community has to continue to advocate and say this is something that we want because you're looking at a, a whole another demographic of people, mm -hmm. some that aren't interested in smoking. We have a lot of patrons that are just reintroducing themselves into cannabis consumption mm -hmm. from years ago. Um, and they would prefer to to have a bite to eat versus light up. Right. Especially we do know that, you know, uh, the effect can be different depending on, again, body size, individuality. Right. has a lot to do with in your own, excuse me, your own metabolism. But consuming cannabis in an edible form is right. different than consuming cannabis smoked or vaped or Absolutely. tinctured or, yeah, right. Right. But, um, you know, we're, we're introducing kind of a new... Um, the evolution of edibles, mm -hmm. if you will. And so we're changing the narrative from the pot brownies that were um, highly dosed and being, uh. <laughs> we're able to walk the guests through the experience. So because a, a lot of it is fear-based, of course. Right. Um, someone may have had that one experience with with the gummy bear, and now they're like, you want me to consume a full four-course menu right. of infused food? So, you know, you're talking about um, now we have chefs who are trained and skilled who are coming into this line of work. Um, and so we have to broaden our, our ideas and our notions about what edibles are looking like now. Mm -hmm and cater to a, a bigger or greater audience. And that's, that's making sure that you infuse with less powerful Absolutely. THC products yes. that won't overwhelm someone. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And you spread that, that high out, if you will, over the course of the <laughs> meal rather right. than, than knock you down with two or three bites, exactly. right? Exactly. Right? Now, has, has there been a lot of... Uh, I want to copycats or people trying. Well, I guess all eight of the licenses were were mm -hmm. granted, right? So there must be eight other facilities. But you know, you're the one that's got the most press right now, which has been great. Well, the others haven't opened mm -hmm. um, as of yet, but I wouldn't call them copycats. I I think it's um, whatever comes forth is lending to the normalization of cannabis consumption mm -hmm. um, in the capacity that we're doing it here at Lowell. So. Uh, that's a good thing. It's healthy competition, and it allows others to see that you know we're not you know just a bunch of stoners, or that you know understand that there has been a misconception mm -hmm. about cannabis consumption, and then in that hopefully we're able to change some laws and expunge records. Yes. And get oh, some people out of prison. That's the next spot. I mean, right. I think where where most of the advocacy needs to go. I mean, it really is ridiculous with the fact that. You know, this is has been, you know, vilified and yes, used absolutely. as a enslavement tool more than it has been used as, you know, some way of protecting society. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we have to speak to that. And I welcome 
all of the copycats right. to, <laughs> to help us uh, forward that message. Now, how many people does the restaurant hold? I think we're at, the capacity is 200. 200. Mm -hmm. And there are nights when this is standing room only. There are nights that we, and we're not open um, full time as mm -hmm. it stands, but there are nights that we've done 1,200 covers. Wow. That's a, and, and that's all by reservation, or a lot of it by reservation? A lot by reservation, a lot of walk-ins as well. Mm. And, and describe your typical, you know, clientele. Oh, the, or give me give the question. <laughs> go ahead and talk about it. It's, it's a cross-section. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, we right? don't have a typical clientele. Um, from one hour to the next, the demographic changes. Mm. Um, the other evening I was here, and there were four older women in their 60s, 70s celebrating a birthday. Mm. Um, then we have artists that come in and hang out. Mm. Um, we have I've, just every demographic of people that you can imagine. I've, we like to believe as culinarians that our food brings people together and, you know, it's so diverse, but this is the real deal. Like, this is the one restaurant where you'll see every person from every walk of life here. Wow. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I have to at least ask the question. So are there have you had any complaints? People come in and say, well, well, first off, again, because you're not infusing the food, this is really more like a dispensary right. with a restaurant. So, well, you know, I, most people would be consuming what they would probably averagely or, or consume on their own at home before they even walked out the door. Yes, but cannabis is such a communal experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's been, it, this is long overdue and awaited that one wants to be able to come in and the same as I'm going to go to happy hour with the girls. Right. So you want to come to a place where you can enjoy cannabis in an open space and not be judged and feel safe and know that our flower hosts will guide you through the experience, have great recommendations. We have amazing product on our, our menu. Um, so, yeah, that it's not, you know, of course you're going to get some people's like, oh, I could have done this at home because that's what we've done. That's mm -hmm. that's the normalcy of or how we've been pushed to the side as consumers. Sure. Um, so now you have a space where you don't have to do that. You don't have to sit in the garage. Mm. <laughs> and all of your your food itself that you actually serve here is, is locally grown? A lot of it is, is absolutely farm to table. Um, mm. We are very careful in our sourcing. Um, do seasonality as well. So, yeah, absolutely. We use as many local growers as we possibly can. And do you, does this, does the Lowell Cafe own its own cannabis processing facility or its own grow? Do you have your own grow or do you actually, you know, sub that out also? We sub a lot of that out. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have a, we have a facility and we have a farm as well. Ah. And so you, you, but you will take product from other farms. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And other products from other vendors as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So let, let's, let's walk somebody through a, a typical menu. Is there a, a, do you, do yeah, of course you have. Let's talk a little bit about the, the great food that you're serving. You've got salads, soups. A lot of salads. Um, we have shared plates. Mm -hmm. um, so what I wanted to do is, of course, start with the farm to table concept but then also offer a lot of um, foods that lend to the cannabis consumption experience. Mm -hmm. So a lot of comfort foods, um, like we have jalapeno mac and cheese bites. 
Um, we have vegan nachos. We have something, a little something for everyone here. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah a little nachos, a little, little, little vegan nachos. The vegan <laughs> nachos sounds, are sounds very popular. Yeah. They're very popular. I can imagine. And, and, and now, will you... With 1,200 people a night, if you can get to that that level, it's time for a number two. Or are you thinking about? Uh, or you, but you'd have to wait for the municipality to we, grant another license. We have to wait, and of course, I mean, the eyes are on what we're doing here, and I think other municipalities are interested and kind of taking heed, and taking notes and seeing how they could um, elevate it or change it or adjust or whatever the matter. Um, so I think everyone is open. Uh, I think we just want to get it right here first. Right, so right. We'll see what happens. And, and what, do you, what do you think you have to do to improve on yourself here? Is... I don't know what we can do. Open longer hours? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Make more availability, right? <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. you're, you're filled up. And I love the, the, the atmosphere. You know, you've got this, this uh, you know, I don't want to throw out names of other restaurants, but, you know, there are, again, Beverly Hills restaurants that I don't think – are as nice as this environment. Yeah, we wanted to make it inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to make it something familiar, as you said, like any other cafe or restaurant, mm-hmm. and not, you know, take it out of the dark and into a sense of normalcy. Right. Yeah, that was very important to I us. I like the garden settings also that right. you have, but the indoor-outdoor, so that's pretty nice. Yeah. That, that must be, a, but, I, I, but I would imagine that, you know, on a, a packed night, there's a cloud. <laughs> Well, we have a great filtration system okay, sure. um, that is, is like a casino grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside is pretty good. I mean, it, we do catch a, a lot of nice smoke in here, <laughs> and I think the patrons inside really enjoy that because the light catches the smoke. Sure. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. It's great to watch. you got to come back. I definitely have to come back. I'm gonna definitely. I'm, I'm putting this on my list, and I'm hoping that a lot of people who are listening and tuning in understand that. You know, again, Low Cafe. Give your address out to make sure people know where to come. Twelve zero one North La Brea Avenue. North La Brea Avenue in West Hollywood. West I'm Hollywood. telling you, it's very easy to get to, and you know, uh, just a beautiful atmosphere. Do you put your? You, you call them your flower. Flower hosts. Your flower hosts, do you train them yourself, or they? these are people who come to you having served as probably bud tenders or oh, yeah. at a other lot places? Of them absolutely have plenty of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but our our manager here, our bud manager, um, she does, we do train them mm-hmm. additionally according, you know, for our standard. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you've got bud tenders or, or flower hosts host. that are, are extremely knowledgeable. They will come to the table and help you pair with whatever you've ordered food-wise. Absolutely. And based on your tolerance, mm-hmm. um, what you what your t- typical consumption is, the type of bud that you may prefer, um, whether you want a flower or you're interested in renting one of our our, um, tool, our tools, our bongs. And you have bongs and dab rigs also, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, yeah, they're very adept. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very interesting though, that just in general, let, let's talk a little bit about... You know, the trends that are seem to be happening nationwide. I mean, there was a, a push there for, you know, a lot of people don't know that in the 60s and the mm-hmm. 70s here in the United States, we had a lot of growers who worked really hard to grow the CBD, CBN, and other cannabinoids out of the plant, trying to push the plant as hard as they could towards a higher THC level. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, and I believe that when... You know, a lot of the regulations started changing around the country. Almost 
everybody in the industry was trying to figure out if they could put how they could put the highest THC level product on their shelf to sell. Right. That worked for a little while, but now I'm hearing and listening and, and reading that you know the majority of consumers are really coming back, pulling back a little bit from the higher THC. Are you seeing that in what people order here? We if we have a great mix because we do have. I mean, our demographic is so broad. Mm-hmm. We have of tourists that come in mm-hmm. who may not have access to these higher levels of THC products, right. and they um, want to try it just for the heck of it. Right. But then you might have to help somebody <laughs> navigate the door to get exactly. out, right? Exactly. So right. we have we offer anything from five percent THC to up to twenty-two, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good. And and make sure that you give the warning signs out uh, along the way, right? Absolutely. Right, right. But, you know, a lot of our guests are locals, um, or they live in the California area. We have people that drive down from San Francisco, come from San Diego. So they absolutely understand. They are consummate cannabis consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, we do get those tourists that come in. It's their first time, and we want to guide them through experience because it, it, this isn't the – the what do they call it Reggie or the loud right, <laughs> that right. they sell on the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. A very different product. Yeah, very. Yeah, I, I can imagine because I, you know, I, I'm I live in Miami right now and mm. and you know okay. note very easily that the products that we have it's in California different. and Colorado are yeah. extremely different. People can't even come close to what absolutely. you know and and you know the expertise about how to actually formulate. Um, on the East Coast and other cities around the country has right. not even come close to out here. Right, because you don't have the freedom to grow. Right. And so that was um, one of the understandings that I came into is, is you, how do you properly judge a product or the flower if you don't have the freedom to grow it? So what you're seeing happening is completely different than what we, what we have here. We have absolute cannabis purists here right. in California. Right. You know, they'll, things like restaurants like this mm-hmm. will help to destigmatize Absolutely. the whole idea of cannabis. But how do you think that's going right now? And California is one thing, but now you're from the East Coast, right? right. You have clearly probably have family members and friends from mm-hmm. your past that are going, you do what? Absolutely. Um, but some of my family members were like, oh, okay. And I was a little upset by that. I wanted a little more pushback because <laughs> we, we'd all collectively judged it for so long. Um, I, I do think because I've made such a complete turnaround mm-hmm. that um, the possibility of destigmatizing cannabis is, it, it's great. You know, I think we're in a good place. I think that w- the fact that Florida has some legalization there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, they're figuring it out. They're figuring it out. out. Right. Um, and other states have come online to legalize mm-hmm. in some capacity. I think that's, I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think, I think the more and more people start to see the fact that the demographic that's consuming mm-hmm. Is changing. It's not just all about a bunch of stoners, if right. you will. It's about people who are seeking relief from whatever it is that they may Absolutely. be seeking relief from. Absolutely. And identifying the fact that yeah, I, I've been a, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, the idea of recreational use is really a misnomer. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, the the term really is just consumption because 
I think the person who's a recreational user has made a decision to use cannabis over alcohol or yeah, other things, absolutely. and they've done so because there's an underlying reason. Right. And that underlying reason, I think, you know, goes back to a medical reason, honestly, of some sort, whether or not they want to be able to sleep better, they want to be able to relax better, they want to be able to, you know, um, lessen their pain. Right. There's an underlying reason why you choose cannabis instead of choosing alcohol. Absolutely. And so... Rather than call it recreational use or adult use, I think it's really all is medical use it's in a all sense. Medical use. Correct. Yeah. I hear some of the patrons speak of it as such too. And I mm-hmm. mean, these younger people who you would think are excited about the recreational, if you will, aspect, mm-hmm. but they they language in, as such, oh, I, I want to get medicated and enjoy and relax. Right, yeah. right. It's like the idea of, you know, 20 years ago coming home and glamming a glass of wine. You know, when you come home from, from work, you come right. home and sit down and have right. whatever your choice of consumption <laughs> exactly. tool is in cannabis. So, you know, you've got the Lowell Cafe. What's next for Andrea? What's next for me? Um, I have a few more books in the works. Um, I hope to do some more shows and mm-hmm. um, a lot of advocacy and really get in there to turn things around for mm-hmm. people um, and I don't know I definitely think that the, that a book in uh, that makes people understand no you don't take your cannabis stick it in up in something throw it in the oven for an hour and right. burn away half of Absolutely. what you what you purchased Absolutely. showing people how to infuse and how to garnish mm-hmm. and how to season with because right. I mean I think you, you, you made the comment uh, that it, Cannabis is like another herb, right? Like and well, herb. that's what we call it, herb anyway. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, why not use it like an herb, exactly. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think we're going to move in that direction. And yeah, absolutely. I would love to do a book that, that you know, teaches that. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. And, you know, now, is there anything coming up that people could help out when it comes to advocating for allowing Lowell Cafe to actually infuse in food? Are there, there any, you know, town hall meetings or, or you know, any uh, legislative processes that are coming up that people could get involved with or they can go to your website and get some information? They can go to the website and get some information. And that, that website is LowellCafe.com? LowellCafe.com. There you go. That's an easy one to be able to check. <laughs> Andre, I can't say thank you enough for joining thank us today. You. Honestly, thank this has been wonderful. Me. I want to make sure people understand. Again, I'm coming to you from the Lowell Cafe, which is really, you know, the country's first of a kind restaurant that pairs cannabis with food products the same way that you would go to a restaurant and pair wine tastings with food products and gives you an opportunity to consume on location and enjoy the atmosphere and enjoy camaraderie and you know what is that old saying food does bring people together food does bring people together as does cannabis as does cannabis thanks a lot we've been talking we've been listening to us today on let's be blunt with montel and this is probably the bluntest i've been in a while (laughs) i'm telling you you need to come on out here to the Lowell cafe make a reservation or you can turn away at the door with best life burnout constantly striving for more and quite frankly over it maybe you just want more joy peace and laughter in your life now 
Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday. Casts.